now, a closer look. A sleepy morning, we're out in the boondocks. Stars being told on the red Today's segment is titled, Getting to the Literary Roots, Introducing Traffica Europe. Last year, according to the Association of American Publishers, acronym AAP, overall U.S. publisher revenues cashed in at $14.3 billion. Along with this, AAP says that this translates into print books seeing growth for the second consecutive year. Every summer, American readers consume literally Tons of literature while on beaches soaking in the sun, basking in the summer breeze on hotel balconies, or taking cover under shaded trees, all with their favorite book in hand. As the late American legendary composer-musician Frank Zappa once said, So many books, so little time. With the oil of Aphrodite and the dust of the Grand Wazoo, he said you might not believe this little fellow, but it'll cure your asthma too. And I said, Now what kind of a guru are you anyway? After packing my proverbial literary explorer's backpack, I went on a hunt for some new summer reading, poking around the big city, as it is commonly called by the New Yorkers. New York City is often referred to as the capital of the cultural world, for it is here that you can find more than 200 foreign language newspapers published and find more than 100 foreign media who have made permanent bureaus here. So I thought, what better place to look for and discover some new cultural literary roots than the Big Apple? And lo and behold, I came upon a relatively new cultural hub, which I want to share with you today. Let's go now and hear from the person championing forward a literary platform specifically focused on supplying fresh European content in English. On the phone, I have Andrew Singer. He is the director and editor-in-chief of Traffica Europe. Hello, Andrew. Where do you call home? Where do you hang your hat, so to speak? I live in Manhattan, and I also teach at Penn State University. The Traffica Europe project, therefore, is based in both places. Tell us about Traffica Europe. I know it's an online magazine published quarterly and an online literary site, but why don't you share with our listeners what it is that you're doing? Traffica Europe showcases new fiction and poetry from across the Council of Europe countries, the 47 countries 
which are formerly members of this cultural body, Council of Europe. It's pretty much the whole continent of Europe, including the UK. And it's the European Union countries, plus some surprising ones like Russia, Ukraine, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Georgia, the whole Balkans, and so on. And we look at new literature in English or English translation, and we have a lot of nice bells and whistles for promoting it, for showcasing it, for uncovering surprising new uh, voices, and so on. With New York being such a capital of culture and literary works, why this European platform? That's a great question. We have a dual mission So this is perfectly situated to handle both of those. First of all, are very glad to enhance English language culture with these exciting voices. I think that the commercial bottleneck for publishing literature and translation is very extreme. And so we get typically in English language, and in the U.S., of course, especially, very little of this incredible richness of voices from different cultures and countries. And they have a lot to say to us and a lot of mastery and a lot of incredibly attractive stuff that's being written. So as a non-commercial educational foundation, we have an opportunity to look at that vast range of works from a huge array of languages and cultures across Europe to enhance our own culture. That's one side of our mission. The other side is we're really hoping on the European side to offer a new kind of infrastructure for European literary communities to continue to grow together, to notice each other, to feel more of a sense of belonging together, and in the very, very long term, hopefully, to keep the conversation open toward more of a shared feeling of unity and cultural identity, regardless of how the political conversation goes in Europe, which is very salient in the media these days, regardless of how the economic conversation goes, which is a lot of media panic as well. We're trying to offer another space to give a space for cultures to continue to represent themselves the way they experience themselves, to keep literature in the media the way it used to be much more, I think, in previous generation, and to give space for those voices to notice each other in the shared medium of English language. And frankly, New York is a great place to have that perspective, because a lot of the English language publishing works in translation for all these places is growing surprisingly well in New York. So it's actually a boom industry right now, literature and translation. But we don't work only in New York. We have affiliations with European and UK universities and other projects as well. Is it possible to share maybe a few names of German authors which have been translated into English, which may have appeared in your issues? Since we started our journal, we've published quite a variety of German voices, and it's a good question because the answer shows what an exciting variety we're actually working from. From mainstream writers from Germany, such as novelist Peter Stamm, whose All Days Are Night was excerpted in Traffic of Europe 2, someone like Maya Hotterlop, who is actually originally a Corinthian Slovene, so she's Slovenian, but she's born and raised physically in Austria. Corinthian Slovenes are a Slovenian minority in Austria, and she wrote her latest amazing novel, which is semi-autobiographical in German language, exactly to try to bridge that cultural divide. We published an excerpt from that. That won the best translation of the year from Austrian Cultural Forum, and that was translated by our very own Tess Lewis. In our latest issue, it's a Swiss focus, but in that context, we're publishing German-language writers of a great variety. So in Traffic Year of 11, we have Michael Fair, who is a Swiss poet. We have Leta Semadini, who is writing in German language, but she's also writing in Romance, which is her family language. Mariella Mayer, she's actually Yenish, that's the Swiss family which is tangentially related to the Roma, to the Gypsies. And Mariella Mayer is also writing in German language. We have Dana Grigorcia, she's writing in German language in Switzerland, but she's originally from Romania. 
So it's really quite an opportunity to go beyond the stereotype or the most basic understanding we have of what is a German or a German language author and really look at the incredible complexity of what German language literature is today. You keep mentioning the word voices. You have plans to launch Europe's first literary online radio station. Can you tell our listeners about this and who you intend to reach? Traffic Europe Radio is planned to be the fruition of the second part of our mission to offer a new kind of infrastructure for European literary communities. So it is intended as Europe's literary radio station. We have a dual audience because on the one hand we're hoping Europeans can take it as a chance to raise up the conversation of cultures between them through the shared medium of English language. And as well, because it's in English, again, first part of our mission to enhance English language literary culture with that. So it's going to be partner-produced literary audio podcast series from across the map of Europe by cultural organizations in different European countries, as well as by some publishers, universities, and others. And it's going to be a live streaming radio on our site, which will be archived similar in format, though not yet in scope, with something like National Public Radio specifically focusing on European literature for an English-speaking international audience. Sounds wonderful. Keeps me out of trouble, that's for sure. (laughs) I'm sure. Do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners, especially for any aspiring new writers? I can encourage them to keep it up. Each voice can be quite a special contribution to our cultures. I hope that people might be keen to get involved with what we're doing in some way. If they have the skills and the wherewithal, they're free to write us, editor at traffickereurope.org. I hope they enjoy our literary journal. It's on our site, traffickereurope.org. We've got a literary events calendar because we're trying to encourage literary tourism and to promote events from all these countries that are accessible also to English language speakers. We've got a European bookshop if people want to check out some fantastic new literature in more depth from these countries. Read good literature if you want to write good literature. That's probably the best advice I can give. And if we can support that in any way with what we're offering, all the better. Andrew, it sounds like you are a busy man. We thank you ever so kindly for taking the time, and we wish you an absolutely wonderful day. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and keep up the good work, Dan. Summertime reading is usually just the appetizer on the menu for voracious readers, since book lovers are constantly on the literary prowl for fresh content, not just during summertime, but all year long. Let's visit now with someone who is a professional literary translator, specifically for German and French, and contributes often 
to Traffica Europe. On the phone, I have an award-winning literary translator from just outside New York City, Tess Lewis. How close are you to the big city? I am just a half an hour from Midtown by the train, so it's easy for me to get to literary events and readings at the Goethe Institute or the Austrian Cultural Forum. There's a reasonable amount of literary events going on in New York, not as many as there are in most European countries, but I'm able to take advantage of what there is on offer. Speaking of literary events, a translation that you recently did for a German-speaking author, Angel of Oblivion by Maya Hatterlap, that you've got some nice recognition for that work. Yes, it was very exciting. While I was working on the book, I was awarded the Austrian Cultural Forum New York Translation Prize, which encourages works in progress. And then once the book was published last year, it won the Penn USA Translation Prize for Fiction. It was also shortlisted for the Best Translated Book Award, but, you know, you can't win everything. <laughs> it, was, it was great to see the book get the recognition that it did, specifically because while it was translated from German, the author is part of the Slovenian-speaking ethnic minority in Carinthia, the southernmost province of Austria, and it tells the story of her family during the Second World War and after. And it's a chapter of history that really isn't even known in Austria. So it was great to have the story told to a much broader audience. You're a literary translator in both the languages French and German. How did you get involved with Traffica Europe? I met Andrew Singer, the publisher, at a literary event in New York. Another reason why it's always good to get out and go to these events. I believe it was for a reading of Angel of Oblivion. And at the time, Andrew was planning a Slovenian literature issue of his international literary magazine and asked if he could have excerpts from Angel of Oblivion and a few of Maya Karolap's poems for the Slovenian issue. Maya usually writes her poetry in Slovenian and her prose in German, but she did have a few poems that she had written in German that I was able to translate for Trafica. You were recently involved in an exciting event at the Swiss Embassy. It was a wonderful event, a launch for issue 11 of Trafica Europe, which I edited, and it's Swiss literature. The German consul hosted one of the contributors, who is a writer and also performer and singer, who integrate his text with music. Do you get that? Do you get that? Do you get that? Yes, fine. Yes, fine. Oh, yes, fine. Yes, fine. really is as much a performer as he is a writer, and so he performed some of his text. We also had a discussion about Swiss literature, and the exciting thing about the issue, and one of the wonderful things about Traffic in Europe, is its open-mindedness. So we were intent on including representatives of all four Swiss national languages. So we have a number of contributors from German, French, 
one from Romansh and one from Italian. So it was a nice proportional reflection of the literary scene in Switzerland. Since a majority of our listeners are German, can you perhaps drop a few names of authors which you have done literary translations for? Just recently, I translated Lutz Seiler's novel Kruso, which won the German Book Prize in 2014. Before that, I translated a Swiss writer, Melinda Najabonyi, whose novel Fly Away Pigeon won the German Book Prize and the Swiss Book Prize in 2010. I've also translated Peter Handke. I've translated Hans Magdus Enzensberger and Klaus Merz. So quite a few now. And interestingly, a bit of a departure, I translated notebooks by the painter Anselm Kiefer, and I'm working right now on a collection of essays that he did with an art historian, Klaus Dermus. And what's on your drawing board next, so to speak? On the drawing board is the collection of interviews by Anselm Kiefer, but also a Swiss writer who's not very well known outside of Switzerland. He died in 1980. His name is Ludwig Hohl, but he was a tremendous influence on the major writers of the early 20th century, like Friedrich Dürrenmatt, Max Frisch, Elias Canetti, Peter Handke were all deeply influenced by him, but because of a variety of interesting life circumstances, he never really made it out of the German-speaking world. But I hope to change that with my translation of his philosophical work notes. Do you have any final comments that you might want to share with our listeners, especially for the aspiring German and French writers? I would say read widely and read greedily. One thing that the English language publishing world forgets is that with each language, a new world opens up, and sometimes several worlds within a single language, if you think of the Austrian, Swiss, and German variants of German. So I say go out and find some translations now and just enjoy them. It'll affect your reading, it'll affect your worldview, all for the better. Wonderful. Tess, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time to share with me and our listeners your influence on the literary translation world, especially for the German and French writers. Thank you. It was a pleasure. come in all shapes, sizes, and forms. Let's talk now with someone who has, for two decades, worked both as a writer and as a coach for budding writers, helping them with honing their craft, finding and defining their own literary voices, and is a member of the Board of Advisors for Traffica Europe. On the phone, I have Professor Maureen Freely from the University of Warwick, 
You are a writer. You grew up in Istanbul. Can you paint a picture for our listeners on how your writer's pen got you from Istanbul to Warwick? One way of putting it is that I'm the daughter of working-class Irish Americans taken to Istanbul at the age of eight to attend an elite American Protestant school in a secular Muslim country. And if you have that kind of background, the only hope for you is to start telling stories because nobody else's story quite makes sense of what you see around you. And so I always made up stories and read lots. Growing up as sort of a teenager and young adult in Cold War Istanbul, I felt like I was living on the wrong side of a one-way mirror. My classmates and friends and my their elders were all passionately involved with what was going on elsewhere in Europe and world literature and in the U.S. and so on. But nobody ever saw us. Nobody ever heard us. So I had that frustration and the desire through words to connect Turkey with the rest of Europe and the world. And once I got to the rest of the world, to do the same thing in reverse. Now, you've authored seven novels, and you've worked with the Warwick Writing Program for more than 20 years. Now, my experience from speaking to lots of people on this show that have been doing something for more than 20 years is it must be a labor of love. It certainly is. I had taught in writing programs in the U.S., and I had a number of views about the ones I was in, but what I did notice is that it allowed people far from New York, far from Hollywood, a way into the writing networks. It gave voice to so many of the writers we consider the major writers of North America today. And so when I started here with my colleague David Morley, who is from a Roma background in the north of England, what we wanted most of all was to open up the world of writing to students from all backgrounds. And also we wanted to do it our own way. We wanted them to become, in a certain way, from the moment they arrived, literary activists in that their responsibility was to keep literature and its institutions alive and vibrant, not just write a book that might be picked up by an agent so that they could put their feet up. So it's been tremendously exciting to do this, and the most creative thing we've done is to get to bureaucracies to permit us to do what we now do so successfully. We're always really interested in the many languages of Europe and the world, and we welcome into our MA program writers from other languages who then, by the of the course to write in English that is not just correct, but is an English of their own. And we are now involved with the Sunday Times Young Writer Award to serve as an educational wing, pretty much to create a nurturing environment for emerging writers after they have left our degree courses. Of course, it goes both ways. We learn a great deal from mm-hmm. our students. And the older I get, the more I notice that my contemporaries are out of touch with the new generation of writers and performers, but I'm lucky enough to have taught them, so they're nice to me. (laughs) Well, that doesn't surprise me that you are currently head of the Department of English and Comparative Literary Studies, and you were the former chair of the Translators Association. How did you get to be a member of the Board of Advisors for Traffica Europe? I became a member of the board because both Andrew and I belong to the translation networks, and we met each other first at a translation event in New York and realized that we had 
a lot of interests in common. When he spelled out to me the vision of Traffic of Europe, I almost thought it was too good to be true. So it's been really exciting to see it develop. As I said before, the most creative thing any of us will ever do will get institutions to cooperate us and speak to each other. And he is doing that and at this point at the University of Warwick. We hope to be an active partner in the developing strand, in the first instance, the history of various translations, you know, how they go from the country of origin into English, what happens along the way. The story that usually gets lost because people just see the print on the page. That's one of the mm-hmm. things that we want to do. But generally, we want to be talking from a great interest in world literature instead of just looking at what's going on here, if you see what I mean. So can you share with our listeners what your future plans are with Traffica Europe? In the first instance, we hope to create a series of 26 episodes in which we talk to all of our friends in Europe. And we need our friends in Europe (laughs) (laughs) Um, about literary matters that concern us all. So we'll hope to be one of the unifying strands. We also hope to be able to respond to other strands that will be coming from other parts of Europe. There's an idea to foster collaborations that rise out of the discussions that we hear on other programs on the radio. So it will be genuinely a community of Europe radio. Do you have any final comments that you'd like to share with our listeners, especially why they should spend time visiting traffica.europe.org? In a very practical way, it's a wonderful place to go to find out what books to read and also to find out what events are going on all over the countries of the Council of Europe. But also, this is a plea from a very international person who's stuck in England, which is at the moment run by people who want to take us away from the world that's made us the multicultural, international, outward-looking continent of Europe. We don't want to engage in what is an increasingly inane and insane conversation at Brussels level. So we want to just ignore all that, and we want to carry on the conversations that have so enriched our lives until now, and we're just hoping that we'll be able to continue to do so. And what better reason can there be for people who want to continue and share the same cultural interests to do so on an online radio? Maureen, I salute you, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for giving me the chance to talk. It's been really great. It's been my pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you.
Comparative literature academicians might argue that the future of our species as bright, empathetic, and caring human beings hinges on how we continue the development of cultural literacy, how we promote diversity, and how we share these written works. For it is through such written words that authors attempt to express one's cultural world in an effort that we, the reader, may get a glimpse for understanding what it might be like to have walked in another's shoes. It is my personal wish that within today's program, perhaps you may have somehow received a spark of inspiration for seeking and reading literary translations and written works from this huge diversity of cultures which comprises the Council of Europe. And if you are an aspiring writer or translator within this Council of Europe, then hopefully you begin today putting your thoughts on paper and perhaps email part of your new compositions to editor at traficaeurope.org with the hopes to be recognized on this platform, www.traficaeurope.org. On behalf of the folks here at Radio Laura, we send you wishes for a most enjoyable summer cradling your favorite new book in the palm of your hand while you let your imagination run wild.